American songwriter, we had the opportunity to talk to Tillian Pearson over Zoom video. Tillian was born and raised in Clearwater, Florida. He talks to us about growing up there and how he got into music. Tillian takes us through his entire musical career, which is absolutely fascinating. Uh, started talking to us about Tides of Man, the first like real, real band that he was in. He tells us about being in that band, uh, playing with Sayosin for a while, Amorosa for a while, eventually joining Dance Gavin Dance, where he first recorded on the Acceptance Speech record. He talked to us about that, Instant Gratification, and how that record was the first one that ended up charting. And when that record came out, he knew there was going to be some serious longevity with Dance Gavin Dance. So he took us through his first solo records, Material Me, Perfect Enemy, and The Skeptic, as well as Dance Gavin Dance's records, Mothership, Artificial Selection, and Afterburner. He also tells us where he was at when the coronavirus hit and how that affected him. We also talk a lot about his new solo record that just came out, Factory Reset, and how that record was put together, as well as what he's got going on with Dance Gavin Dance and how they're in the studio recording a new record right now as well. You can watch our interview with Tillian on our Facebook page and YouTube channel, at Bringing It Backwards. It'd be incredible if you subscribe to our channel and like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram and Twitter, and TikTok as well. We just got one of those, at Bringing Back Pod. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. We're bringing it backwards with Tillian Pearson. Yeah, so our podcast is all about you, your journey in music, and how you got to where you are now. <laughs> Sounds good. Very cool. Um, and uh, I, don't, I don't know if you feel comfortable talking about a little bit about Ga Dance, Gavin Dance. I know it's not what we're here to talk about, but it, I know it's part of your journey. 100%. It's what I'm working on right now, so... Okay. Appropriate. Yeah. Very cool. Awesome. So first off, why don't you tell me about where you were born and raised? I was born and raised in uh, Clearwater, Florida, or at least close to there, a little suburb of that. Um, dead end street, uh, small house, two sisters, um, kind of sandwiched in, into a little place. And um, yeah, it was great. I mean, I had like a pretty idyllic childhood we we played outside all the time um pretty much our our life centered around like all the kids in our neighborhood okay together <laughs> that's awesome you said two sisters are there are they musical at all yeah actually i i consider them uh much more musical than i am <laughs> really they just, yeah. they just didn't really fall into that career path. I think my, my parents kind of pushed it more on them. They pushed like performing on them and I was more into sports. Um, and I think because my parents pushed it on them so much, they kind of rejected it. Okay. Uh, they were like in plays and in, in choirs and doing that all when I was growing up and I was kind of watching them from a distance, um, getting involved here and there, but not really, I didn't really get into making music until I was like 16. Okay. Okay. And what was the first instrument you learned? Um, hmm. Oh, I tried, I learned piano actually uh, at like age seven or eight. Like I started, started to do lessons. My Did parents, your parents put you in that. Yeah, yeah, Pushed okay. me into it. And then I, 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 I didn't like it. I liked soccer. I like basketball. Um, and then 
I would say I actually like started trying to learn guitar at about 16 and that just came through a girlfriend who in country and taught me the, the chords and I I uh, I kind of happened upon a digital recorder uh, around that time like okay. a, a, like a little chord box and um, I, I didn't really know what I was doing yet but mm -hmm. I still started trying and like started writing songs and recording them before I knew how to play guitar or I really, really? knew how to sing. Yeah, I just, or, I, I kind of got, I, I kind of got introduced into music making through the, through recording. Interesting. First, because I just, I was fascinated with just, you know, playing something <laughs> and hearing it back and then like putting a layer on top of that and hearing it back. That's kind of how I got into it. Was there something that like inspired you to want to learn how to record? Like that seems like something like pretty I just random in the sense. Yeah, it was it was extremely <laughs> random. No, it was a it was complete chance. Like it was I went to a boarding high school and there was a like an out of commission sauna at the okay. high school and there was this blue Korg like I think it was like it had 16 tracks as an option. Um, and you would just like, you just had to hold down the play and record button at the same time and do something. And then it would bring it to the, to the beginning of the session and you could track over that. You couldn't okay. really choose where you were going to start, <laughs> <laughs> but you could do like a whole, the whole pass of the song and then like record over that with a whole pass of the song. Okay. Um, and I just, with no skill at all, just kind of started recording for fun. Interesting. And did you have, you said you weren't playing guitar at this point yet though? I, I had, like, I knew that I knew a few chords and then, and then my, my friend Buck taught me like, Oh, you can, you can also play power chords and this is what they, those look like. Oh, and, sure. That must've been a game <laughs> so, changer, right? Then you can oh, play a song. Yeah. Huge game changer. <laughs> so I think I, like growing up around music, I think I had an ear for it. Okay. So that was helpful. Um, but I didn't really, I didn't know what I was doing. I, I probably still don't know what I'm doing, but. Uh, debatable. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I, I like even Will in, in Dance Gavin Dance, like he doesn't, he's not like classically musically trained whatsoever. Mm -hmm. So like communicating things to him, like I can't even tell him like, like if I say play, you know, a D sharp, he's like, I don't know what you're, I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> Even though he's like this guitar virtuoso. Sure, um, sure. But yeah, so it, it, it kind of, it kind of works out in that way. <laughs> That's funny. With the band. Well, with, with those songs that you're recording on the, that recording, your process were those, like, when did they, you know, leave the, the bedroom, so to speak. And, and when were you playing to people? Like, were you, did you join a band? Like, what was your first experience with that? Yeah. I, yeah, I just, I, I had like a, an inkling toward it and I kind of started performing right away as well. Oh, wow. Like I, I would just cover songs. I mean, I, I grew up, like I was in high school around, you know, death cab, brand new, uh, all my favorites. Bayside. Sure. Like, okay. And, th and those songs are pretty easy to learn. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I could I could pull them off and kind of sing and play them. And I started record or I started performing right away, pretty much when I probably too early before I knew how to actually pull it off. Okay. And that's kind of how everything happened. Like I just I had this like willingness to try and try to make it happen before I actually was any good. And then I just kept trying and kept practicing until eventually, you know, I guess uh, Tides of Man, my first mm-hmm. actual band, that was like, I would say when we played our first legitimate rock shows, we formed extremely quickly, just like everything else. Like we, I think we booked a show uh, 10 days after we formed. Just, <laughs> really? Like, okay, we got to get the, we got to get the songs together. We got to get the, they had some like material from, from old bands and I had material. So we just kind of collaborated. We were in town uh, for like a really short during like a Christmas break, essentially. Mm-hmm. And we just put a set together. I think it was only five songs, but we kind of extended it because we did like jam sections. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, <laughs> yeah. And then it just never stopped. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So once that band, you guys, I mean, you signed a rise records with that band. I mean, you mm-hmm. guys did things. I mean, tell, that must've been cool to kind of tell me about the kind of the success, like the chain of success there. Yeah, for sure. So we, we, um, they, the, I, I definitely lucked out running into those guys because they had been playing together in another band for a while or the majority of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were, I was living in LA and they were in Florida. And I think the basis was living somewhere else as well. And we just kind of met up, met up over like a Christmas when everyone is, was in town kind of mm-hmm. meeting with their families. And um, yeah, we booked the show, super ambitious about that. Um, pulled it off, it went really well. Like that was during the, the era when <laughs> I feel like people just went to shows just because uh-huh. they were friends with people. And, and I mean, I'm sure that happens now, but you know, we were all of that age. Um, pulled it off and then we all just decided to stay and try to make a band. And then mm-hmm. we just took like the next year uh, writing our first album and like working and saving. And we um, we all really liked the way uh, Lydia's Illuminate sounded, like the mm-hmm. recording. So we hit up the, the producer, Matt Malpass, who had made that album and booked time, recorded it. Um, and just kept playing shows like I would say once a month we were playing um, in the in like the Tampa area mm-hmm. and then um, yeah put it up on MySpace <laughs> and Craig Erickson from Rise Records was uh, like browsing the internet late at night he said he was smoking weed drinking wine and scouting he, talent <laughs> yeah he he liked the band name and he just clicked on the link and heard the first song of the album and was like okay i'm gonna offer you guys a deal on it 
and just really? wrote, us a, wrote us a MySpace message and like left his phone number. And then we all, you know, called each other and then cheered. I think, yeah, I think I called him <laughs> and then we had a pretty short conversation and, and it was a terrible deal, like in the scheme of deals. Right. But our biggest like uh, fear, I think, was just being like a local Tampa band forever. Uh-huh. And we didn't really have to wait too long for this opportunity to come. And we just took it. We were just like, all right, fuck it. If we take this, we're going to be touring nationally. Like, uh-huh. I mean, they're know, a huge within, label. Yeah. Within the year. So we just, we just took it and we just ran with it. Wow. Did you, were you like really, uh, really pursuing like music as like the thing, like your dream yeah, as far as like, we were, okay. yeah, okay. definitely. It wasn't uh, like, I, you guys I definitely were just, skipped- Sorry, I definitely ahead. skipped over some some stuff for sure in the timeline. Like I it, I was in LA. I, I I joined a band. I I was playing bass in the band and singing backups. And like there was a there was definitely some stuff in the middle there. But I don't know the, yeah. the storyline just went went where it went. Sure, sure, sure. I was just curious. Okay, so the idea of this was like a thing. Like you wanted to be you're actively pursuing music as your your life. Yeah. But this okay. was the first time I had tried to be a singer. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And you, I mean, to see success like that, did you, when you saw that e- email or that message on MySpace, were you like, this is, this is, this isn't real. Like, or, or, or did you ever have that moment where you're like, uh, like, did you think it was kind like some, some catfish moment? <laughs> kind of, but, but we, we had pretty like lofty expectations for the band when we formed. Okay. So like we, and that group of guys was really serious and mm-hmm. they were like, we were pretty dedicated. Like we, we would practice, you know, on that first album, we would pretty normally go till 3 a.m. Wow. And just, just go and go and go and do those and actually, are you there? Yeah, yeah, sorry, you cut oh, out I'm there frozen. for a second. You froze there for a second. Okay, cool. It's all good. Uh, okay. Yeah, we would pretty actively just just pursue it. And that group of guys was extremely ambitious, probably more than me, and just had high expectations from the start. Okay. So we, when that came, we kind of expected it, expected something. You know, we sure. had uh, Red, we were at that time also, we were talking to Red Bull Records as well. Oh, sure. Um, okay. And it, that didn't work out. And we kind of knew it wasn't going to work out because they wanted to essentially re-record the whole album and put us through their like studio. Oh, and, interesting. Like document the whole thing. Huh. Um, and they were like first launching and it wasn't really, we were pretty impatient. We just didn't want to wait. Uh-huh. Like, no, They're going to pay you in Red Bull. Yeah. <laughs> let's just <laughs> like- do this now. <laughs> yeah i mean in rise that's not like some you know little tiny label came up and was like hey you know we want to be a right. part of it and you're like oh i'm gonna leave red bull it's like rise records is obviously yeah. a thing <laughs> so yeah and even at that time yeah and, and i think that was what 2007 or 8 uh-huh. they, they were already doing really well yeah okay so that i mean you obviously signed a rise and uh, was it on the road right away like did they i'm sure they did quite a bit for you i mean right out the gate right yeah i would say there was like a year of 
of like and a year for at that age seems like 10 years <laughs> right so right right waiting around like for <laughs> the first kind of opportunity but sure. yeah then we you know that was kind of the 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 model they they throw their bands on tour especially around that time with uh with their other bands mm-hmm. and see if it sticks sure that's cool. That's really cool. What was like the first tour? Were you guys obviously the supporting act? Or did you get to support yeah. like, a pretty big band right away? It was a static lullaby. And, oh, really? Yeah. And on that tour was uh, Motionless and White and Vanna and Asking Alexandria. It was. It That's was rad. Really, yeah. That's really was, rad. I think it was their last tour, a Static Lullaby. Really? Wow. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, Very cool. I think, I think at the end of that tour, they're like, van and trailer with like a good portion of the money they made on the tour got stolen outright just like oh someone gosh. stole the whole the whole the whole thing yeah how do you even get away with that you're just like well no <laughs> that's i've heard so many horror stories with people's gear getting stolen like that must be a pretty common thing it's awful yeah definitely that is awful um so well you know you were with tides of man for a while few years and then you did some stuff with Seosin, right? Yeah. Yep. There was like a, a year or two gap where I, uh, yeah, I was working with a, a bunch of different bands. I was free agenting for a while. Like I, I worked with Emerosa, Seosin, uh-huh. and they were called architects at the time. And now they're night versus. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, I did like five or six songs with them. Um, I think that's it. I think that's pretty much it in that time period. And then it's kind of shopping yeah, himself I, around. And then I started making solo music. Um, and I was actually in the studio for that when dance, Gavin dance hit me up. Uh, what was that we, like? Well, tides had toured with them before. Okay. Um, and actually I, I, I think this was pure chance as well. I, there was one day in San Diego where their singer at the time, Kurt was sleeping in the van um, during their sound check. And they were going to play like me and Zoloft get along just fine. That's the song they were going to play for sound check. And I was like, Hey, let me, let me sing with you guys. So I just did the sound check. I mean, not knowing it was just for fun, not knowing anything would ever come of it. But I honestly think that that moment like kind of put me in their headspace for when they needed a singer later wow Um, yeah just pure pure chance that's amazing yeah and then they yeah they needed one they they had a whole tour booked and they called me and and they were like uh you know super excited um a little tipsy when they called me and i was like (laughs) not in this exact same mindset. I was like, uh-huh. hmm, yeah, I don't know. Cause I had been, I had been kind of like talking to a few bands and like nothing was panning out. And I kind uh-huh. of had maybe a more like skeptical approach on, on if it would work out. Sure. Like, okay. Let, let me, we'll do the tour and we'll just kind of see where it goes from there. If we, if we get along. Um, and yeah, it was great. I mean, I don't even know if we actually got along, but the, the energy was, was got along really enough. good. Yeah, we <laughs> yeah. got along enough. Yeah. I mean, we did. It was just like, 
at that point, 2012 version of Dance Gather Dance was like, it was a party band, like okay. 100%, just constant partying. So <laughs> that was definitely an adjustment for me. But um, but yeah, it worked out. And then, yeah. <laughs> And ever since you've been, you know, been the guy. Album together, yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I will say I love the fact that you kind of became on their radar in San Diego because that's where I'm from originally. Oh yeah. Yeah. Where were we at? Soma or something? Soma side stage. Yeah. Oh really? The side, even mm-hmm. the side stage at that point. Right. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. They've revamped that place again. Like, um, I don't know if you've played there since. Not I've only been there a no. couple of times. Like, I mean, I'm in Nashville now. My family just moved to Nashville, oh, nice. uh, you know, a couple months ago, but um, I was oh, in San yeah. Diego for most of my life. And uh, yeah, they kind of like changed the main stage up. It, it really has, it, they've put some money into it, but I, yeah, it's, cool. it's a bit different now, but um, that's, that's amazing. So 2012, you, you joined Dance, uh, Dance Gavin Dance, and they, they were a thing, obviously, at, at that time. Was it cool kind of jumping in into, a, a, like, an established thing? Or was yeah. it weird? I mean, did you I get mean, any backlash from people? Like, oh, you're not the, you know, the original guy or whatever. Like, was that a thing? So, apparently I did, yeah. Like, I didn't, I didn't really see it too much at the beginning. I was just kind of stoked. Right. But when I first joined, because they, because the last... The, the last iteration before I joined was like Johnny Craig's return. Okay. Uh, and it was like, you know, they were doing really well. And mm-hmm. when I joined uh, and, and filled in for that tour that they had already booked, apparently it flopped. And I, I thank God at the time I had no idea that it was flopping. Uh-huh. Like, cause I, I wasn't around for their, cause I, I was only around for their, uh, Kurt years, like I toured tour with them in their Kurt years, and it was uh-huh. like it was doing as well as that. So I just never really thought that it was a flop, uh-huh. you know. Um, and apparently it was, and it took like you know maybe an, an album or two of of uh, me and the band to build it back up, and then obviously you know a few albums later, it's it's fucking amazing. Burnt. It's still surreal to us like it's uh, it, the fact that we're you know we're gonna be 40 year old screamo guys if everything goes well <laughs> which is fucking awesome yeah. um, <laughs> but uh but yeah so yeah it was it, it to me it was just awesome like just i, I wasn't singing any of uh, any of my own songs i had actually already done that i'd already done the fill-in role so i was comfortable in it Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it was just a blast. And then we did the first album. We kind of didn't have the formula worked out at all. I think mm-hmm. on the first one, um, and by the second one that I did with them, I think we, we kind of figured it out. And then since then we've just been kind of rolling off of that momentum. Sure. Was it, was it cool? Like, I mean, finally singing song, you know, the, the first record you were on was acceptance speech, right. With them. Mm-hmm. And was that like, once you were touring on songs that you had written, I'm sure that was a bit more gratifying, I would think than playing songs that were already there. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. I, I would say, I would say 
that was, yeah, that was a cool period of time, but really when everything changed was the album after that, uh, instant gratification <laughs> uh-huh. to, to, to reuse your word. Um, that's when it, it kind of like sunk in like, Oh shit, we could actually be a band that's around for a while. Like this whole time in the back of my head, I was, it was like, it seemed like a trial. Like I was mm-hmm. like, I don't know if this is going to pan out. I don't know how long this is going to last, but yeah, let's do it. Fuck it. Like mm-hmm. we, we, we get along, we, we make cool music, let's just fucking do it. Mm-hmm. And um, then we were, you know, we were touring instant gratification and we, I, I remember we were in Fort Lauderdale, Florida and we got back like the first week numbers for that album. And mm-hmm. we were, I remember it was like, in terms of album sales, it was like Fantagram was at six and we were at seven. Wow. And I was just like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah. Like how, how, cause I, you know, I, I didn't really have that kind of expectations for it. None of us did. And that, at that point we were like, oh fuck, like we're, we're, we're going to be a band. <laughs> <laughs> this is even though they're they're you know they're eight years in and I'm a couple years in or something like that around that time but it was just like oh shit like yeah we're we're uh we've made we've made a mark and and now we have like a kind of a platform to jump off of and that was the moment where it was like I started appreciating it I think from then on and okay. trying to trying to really like you know, take in every moment. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Um, I mean, you guys charted, it sounds like you charted on that album. And yeah. to a, a band like Fanagram was getting radio play, you know, across mm-hmm. the nation. And, and I, and I don't really correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, I was in radio, did radio for 16 years in, in the alternative world. And we never played dance, Gavin dance in the air. We played the shit out no. of Fanagram, but we never played dance, Gavin dance. And the fact that you guys were on the same level, that's, I mean, that's incredible. Yeah, back in 2015. Yeah, uh-huh. that, it, it, it shocked us, honestly. That night was like, I still remember it. We were just like, what the fuck? <laughs> like we have, we have a fan base. Uh-huh. I didn't, because we, I mean, we're the band that like, we don't really get, or at least not until the last few years, like we don't get the, we don't get festival respect whatsoever because people are like, yeah, this isn't really a festival band. Yeah. We're going to build, we like, we still, we still deal with the thing where like, we're all, we get, we get uh, regularly built under uh, bands that submitted to our tours in festivals. That's like something that happens all the time. Interesting. I don't know why. I don't know if you can give me an example. Like, uh, Uh, like when, okay. uh, Yeah. Um, uh-oh. Okay. I don't want you it's, to throw anyone on the bus. So if, if you don't feel comfortable answering. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I want to if I want yeah, yeah, no worries. call out we'll... anyone specifically. But but just like a band that, you know, we we put out a, a headliner kind of submission and, and the bands that submit to support. And then we do like a, a national rock festival. And they'd and, be up higher up on be, the name. They'd be built up. And that's been consistent the whole career of the band, just because I think people don't really take it seriously. But it's again, neither do we, because it's not really serious, serious music. 
Um, <laughs> it's so it kind of makes some sense, but at the same time, uh, de definitely even back then it was unbelievably to a greater extent, you know what I mean? Uh -huh. like, sure. So seeing that, seeing that chart was a huge shock in 2015. For all oh yeah. We're like, Oh shit. Like, you know, we're like, we're, we're doing better here than, than, you know, bands that are 15 slots above us at festivals. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that was kind of like just, you know, eye-opening moment. And, and also just like a really inspiring moment too, because mm -hmm. we realized then like, we don't have to do it. Uh, we don't have to do the formula that, that other bands around us are doing. We don't have to like, if there's a new trend we don't have to jump on it we don't have to like try to get radio play we don't have to try to make songs that are more digestible we can just satisfy our base and grow that base and grow the relationship with that base and that's pretty much what we've been doing mm -hmm. and with well during that time of you in 2013 was that when you put out your first solo record so you were kind of doing your solo album solo stuff mm -hmm. linear with what you were doing with dance Gavin dance yeah what was that like yeah. like would you write a song like material for material me for example um were you were you like okay this is a song that is going to be solo like like how do you you know balance the the two the two things well material me was was fully done before dance Gavin dance oh it was it just okay. didn't get released uh it just I didn't have the opportunity to release it. Um, but yeah, that was done before. I just, I wanted, I mean, I, at that time, I listened to a lot of pop alternative and mm -hmm. I just was heavily influenced by that and, and kind of made an album like that. And then, yeah. And then I just, I mean, the solo albums have, have been a really cool outlet because it's like, I get to do like, the next album after Material Me, Perfect Enemy was like uh -huh. a completely stripped back, like drums aren't even on every song. Uh -huh. um, and I just wanted to do something where the voice and lyrics carried everything. Uh -huh. So it's a cool, um, and then yeah, this, <laughs> this last one, Factory Reset, um, I got to play around with, uh, elements of rock that dance Gavin dance never touches uh -huh. which was fun for me for sure because you know i don't i don't i don't really contribute much to the instrumental side of dance Gavin dance other okay. than like rearranging and and you know i don't like that song <laughs> or i like right. that song <laughs> okay <laughs> um uh so it's it, it was fun this last one was fun to be able to do like uh my take on rock based on what i listen to okay and based on what i want to hear that's kind of in the gap of what exists mm -hmm. that was that was the whole plan for factory reset my most recent solo album was just to try to there's there's a space missing in rock and pop and i want to try to fill that with something unique i love that um i'm just curious i want to talk to you a lot about that record um but 
real quick to rewind uh, half a second yeah, to sure. to like to perfect enemy for example like you that record came out in 2015 along with instant gratification when you said kind of solidified dance mm -hmm. gavin dance for you like were you writing like how do you i mean you must have been writing songs for your solo record as stuff was happening with dance gavin dance like mm -hmm. that seems like you were pretty busy there yeah and actually and it really it, i think it really helped because for at that time like i i had i got my first publishing deal Okay. And was working with a, and doing a lot of co-writing and, and trying to make songs for other people and and make songs for my solo project. And that gave me a lot of influence that I wouldn't have gotten without that opportunity that translated over to instant gratification for sure. Like that's why I think that's why there's a little bit more that album is noticeably more uh, there's more pop influence on the vocals. Mm -hmm. uh, compared to the previous one, just because that's what I had been doing that whole year. Um, oh, interesting. So I, I would hear like heavy music and and be like, all right, well, I mean, this the scales are still similar. It mm -hmm. still works. The tempos are similar. Just because the the guitars are are heavier doesn't mean I can't try to kind of blend the two. Um, mm -hmm. And I think it also other than consciously, was, I'm sure it was subconsciously as well, that I just heard different melodies because I was, I was working in a different world. Mm -hmm. Did you tour that, those, those solo records at all, or were you pretty much wrapped up? Yeah. Dance, Kevin dance. Hmm. Did I tour? Yeah, I did. I toured the, not the first one in America. I did Australia. Oh, really? Then, yeah. Um, and then I did, yeah, I did a tour for each record, just okay. one, one each. So, so after Perfect Enemy, you you know, then you kind of you focus on obviously Dance Gavin Dance with Mothership. What would you say, like, I mean, coming off of instant gratification and you saying that you got, you know, that was kind of the you know you chart on that record. Was it difficult to want to put out or try to put out something that was going to be just as successful, or was that not even a thought in your guys' brain at that point? Um, I, that one just flowed, I think. Mothership was like, it had such an easy flow. Like there was, you know, when you're making an album and there's like really stressful moments, like you're in the middle of it and you're just like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to write six more songs. And like, right. oh, like I feel like Mothership just kind of just, we were touring a lot and, and we were playing a lot of music. And I think I actually speaking of solo touring, did a solo tour and then finished the solo tour and went like, like didn't go home and just went to the studio to do Mothership. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I was like really in practice as mm -hmm. well. Like I think that helps too. So singing every night, going to the studio and, and I think most of that was written in, in Portland uh, at Chris's place where we did, where we actually recorded it. Oh. I just kind of went in with, with uh, optimism and just kind of wrote out the album and it flowed really nicely. I don't know. I don't know if I'd be comfortable with doing that again. Like we're, we're making an album now. I'm actually going uh -huh. in a couple of days. Oh, wow. There's a lot more preparation before I hit the studio 
this time. Okay. <laughs> was Mothership the only album that you did that way or? Um, yeah, I would say it's the album that we did it that way the most. Okay. And, and Will was up there with me and John during vocals and there was, a, there was a good amount of collaboration mm-hmm. and a good amount of like, um, just like, yeah, this feels right. This feels right. And it was, it wasn't really like, I don't know. I think, <laughs> I think that album was made with, was made more by feel than thought. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. we just didn't, we just, we had the dates booked and we just went in and we just did it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then you, you did in 2018, you did the same thing again as you did with uh, instant gratification and, and perfect enemy where you put out a solo record and a dance Gavin dance record on the same year. Um, mm-hmm. So another, another busy year for you, I'd imagine. Um, and you also, with the skeptic, you signed to rise records was what, how, I mean, you were already on rise records with Get, dance Gavin dance. Was it just kind of like, it made sense to, to do both projects on the same label? Well, yeah, I, I had another label for the, the First, solo yeah. stuff. Yeah. So, so I, that kind of just ended. And okay. then I actually record, recorded uh, the skeptic on my own dime and, and had it done and oh, brought it to, brought it to rise and was like, Hey, you guys want to put this out. Okay. Um, and yeah, that the skeptic was done over a long period of time. It wasn't like hit the studio for a couple months and get it all done. Okay. Were you working on it over the course of those say, three years? Just when I would have off time, um, I would just work on it. And I did do like a chunk of recording, but the writing was just spread out throughout through years. Okay. And with the, with, you know, putting out two albums in the, in the same year, were you able to, like, what was that like? Was it, you know, was there, I don't know, difficulties oh. doing that or no? Honestly, I'd have to look up the timeline of which one came out when, because I, oh, really? I, I don't even know which one came out first now okay. in hindsight. Yeah, I feel like, I feel like artificial selection was, uh, was done over a short period, like five weeks and in, in over kind of like, December, at least for me and John, uh, okay. and the band did it, you know, in the fall before that, and and per, uh, sorry, um, the skeptic was just so spread out that it didn't feel like I was doing two records in the same year. Got it felt it. like the solo the solo record I'd been working on for years, and then, you know, awesome. Okay, so sorry, so the skeptic you said came out, you know, that was kind of a process of over the course. You know, that was something you had been working on for a while. Uh, different story with, with the Gan- Dance Gavin Dance record. Um, I'm curious to know, so you guys put out a record called Afterburner in 2020. Where were you? Right. And then you, you have, you know, you said you're working on a new record now and, and you put out Factory Reset, which I want to talk to you about. So where were you guys or where were you at? And when this whole like coronavirus happened, were you, did, was Afterburner a, a done deal at this point? And you just waited to put yeah. out a record or like, how did that all kind of unfold? Like where, where were you at say, you know, February, 2020? Well, extremely specific. We were at <laughs> the first show for the Afterburner tour. Okay. The record was done. We had, uh, we were at the, um, 
was the venue called? Oh my, in LA, the first show in LA. Uh, and yeah, sold out show. We un unloaded, went to the green room, like two days beforehand, the NBA had shut down. So oh, we knew, we knew like, okay, this could possibly affect us at least in big cities. Like we, we kind of assumed like, okay, maybe like we won't be able to play New York city. Maybe we won't be, but we can do LA now because it's still early. That was kind of our mindset. Uh -huh. um, and then the venue in LA is just like, no, you guys were shutting down. So, Oh, so you loaded in and everything and everything. Yeah. We were in the green room. Booking agent was there, manager was there. So we like we we were able to talk it through. Uh-huh. Um and yeah, they just told us, yeah, we can't do the show. Um, and then shortly after, like a, a two days later, that show got canceled. Like this all happened in like an hour. Uh-huh. Um and then we're just like, okay, let's just cancel the tour, postpone it mm -hmm. and and try to book it for you know a few months from now and obviously that didn't work out either yeah. um so here we are a year and a half later <laughs> yeah yeah wow. so we just kind of released that album with no tour i mean every band was was kind of in the same boat we did mm -hmm. a couple live streams um which was, it's it's a cool unique thing to have done i i don't want to do another one hopefully <laughs> sure I've, I've talked to other artists who are like yeah it's kind of like a it's cool to be like a bucket list thing so to speak in the sense of like you did that during this weird time yeah. period but like it's not something you want to continue with <laughs> no it's yeah it's not a medium that i enjoy as a fan so sure. like i'm sure that uh there there'd be certain bands that i'd enjoy it with you know if i was a super fan so i feel like it was something for our extreme fans and i'm sure that there were a portion that liked it but i think you know it doesn't it doesn't even sniff live music right right <laughs> yeah so well when that all has happened and everything shuts down is that when you start working on the the latest uh, record that you put out um, with Factory Reset, was that something that you were working on during this virus situation or had you already started songs and kind of knew you wanted to put it out another solo album? Yeah, I, I had started songs, but I didn't use any of those songs for the okay. album. Um, I had a few done and it didn't, I didn't, yeah, I didn't wind up putting them on the album. Um, yeah, I just figured, well, there's a lot of downtime. Um, let me book some time in the studio and try to make some music and, and try to be productive during the time. And then the studio dates got canceled too. So oh, like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Let's reassess. Sure. So I'm like, okay, I can, I've got this room, you know, I can, I can get some gear. I can kind of learn how to do it on my own. Um, and that's pretty much what I did. And it took, it took, uh, you know, it took a lot longer than your typical recording process just because I was learning and I'm just, I don't have 
a decade of experience behind a desk, mm-hmm. uh, like editing everything. So every, it was really drawn out and really slow. But honestly, it, I think it made it what it is. Mm-hmm. I, I took a, a, a lot of trips out to the desert. Like that was like one thing I could do. I was like, well, I could, there's no, no coronavirus in the middle of the desert. Sure. Were you going <laughs> out to where, sure. like Palm Springs area or something? Joshua tree. Yeah. Joshua tree. And, and I was just like kind of feeding off of the isolation and feeding off of the, you know, I don't know that this album is, it couldn't have been made in any other time, I don't think, or I wouldn't have made these, these songs, at least some of them, some of them maybe, but like, obviously there was a couple of collaboration tracks that I could have made at any, any point, but, but this album is like pretty unique Mm -hmm. uh, amongst my solo stuff for sure. And I think it, it'll probably stay that way. I don't know if I'm going to go further in, into the direction that kind of the first half of the album went in mm-hmm. i'm not sure yet i'm still kind of figuring it out for the next one I'm, one thing at a time i kind mm-hmm. of i'm i'm doing the dance gavin dance one now sure that's where my headspace is is it a but, different mindset with that like do you kind of like have to shift your your writing and everything else when it comes to like deciding whether you know you're going to pursue something as a solo song or something you want to pitch kind of to dance gavin dance well the biggest difference is obviously I make all I make all the music for the solo stuff and okay. I don't for dance Gavin dance. Mm-hmm. So a song, a solo song might start with a vibe and for dance Gavin dance, it, you know, it starts with the instrumental and then a lyric and then, or, or a melody and it goes from there. Um, so I get to build the solo music more slowly and kind of build it out from a feeling and and then it tends to be because of that it tends to be more serious too and I also think because John and Will uh in Dance Gavin Dance they they're not I don't know like it's quirky so there's a quirky element to to the band that I I can't be too like overly serious otherwise it's really not going to work it's it's not going to like it's not going to come across as authentic so um obviously there's certain songs that are that kind of touch on on deeper topics but there's there's a lot of like okay this 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 song sounds this way if i was singing about certain subjects it might come across pretty weird Mm -hmm. um but yeah, I think I forgot your question at this point. <laughs> oh, I was just curious if it takes like, if you have to shift your mindset when it comes to writing and then a song for Gav- Dance Gavin Dance versus writing, you know, a solo song. But yeah, I mean, you answered the question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did. I think um, so. Yeah, no, you totally did. Um, I'm, I'm curious. You also said I want to talk to you about uh, the, you, you talked about uh, songs on this factory reset record that you wouldn't have been written if it wasn't for this, this whole virus hitting and kind of the vibe that's going on in, in the world. Uh, do you feel like some of that will spill on over to what you guys are doing now with Dance Gavin Dance? Like there's songs that will come out that is 
wouldn't have been written if it wasn't for what was going on now. A hundred percent. Yeah, there's definitely, because I mean, I've, I've, I've got all John's lyrics, all my lyrics, like there's definitely uh, some isolation based content in there. That's, okay. that's, I, I don't think we're, you know, it's going to ever be like, so we're, we're trying to, we're trying to avoid, you know, being too on the nose with it, but obviously you, you can't, we typically write what you know. And if right, you can't if avoid you it, know, right? Yeah, yeah. You can't, <laughs> we're not, we're certainly not writing about partying with our bros. Cause, right. we're, cause we're not doing that. <laughs> exactly. Oh, <laughs> uh, well you, you talked about with factory reset as well. Like you were, you recorded some of it yourself. Is that what you said? Yeah. Everything but drums. And wow. Then, and then I did uh, a collaboration track with uh, Tim from Polyphia and he produced that whole track and I just did vocals. Okay. Um, and we did it over text message. And then really, what was that I, like? You just text him what, like a voice memo just, or something? Yeah, and sent him like a song that I wanted to kind of have the vibe of. And then he sent it back and then I tracked vocals and then uh, Chris Crumb mixed it. And I like, I chopped it up a little bit, but honestly, he, he did such a good job that I was just like, all right, this, this sounds pretty good. Sure. Um, and then, yeah, there was another collaboration track but other than that, um, yeah, I just recorded it all in here. Wow. Um, just keys, bass, guitar, and pro lots of programming and mm -hmm. lots of vocal takes. <laughs> well, kind of taking you back to like full circle, right? Isn't that how you kind of got involved with That's this? right. Yeah. Originally, you kind of wanted to do the recording thing. That's right. Yeah. That's, That's really actually. Cool. Yeah, so I had some experience and some education on it too. I wasn't like completely green, but I, it, I was green in terms of I had never tried to produce an album. I it was more like I, I could do my own demos, you know, mm -hmm. but I just getting it to the next level of quality. It takes a lot more time and a lot more care. Mm -hmm. You don't want to you don't want to leave those imperfections that demos have. So sure. With um with the record and and kind of a light on the end of the tunnel here with with this virus and things starting to open up a bit, like do you think that uh, you're gonna tour the album at all, or just kind of focus on dance, Gavin, dance? Hundred percent. It's it's already booked. It's just oh. a matter of, um, you know, finding the the time to announce. Very cool. Well, that's exciting. Yeah. And when did you guys decide to? I mean, you're probably really busy with, with the solo thing. When did uh, you guys decide to start working on the new or the newest Dance Gavin Dance record? I, I would say Will started working on it right away. Like, okay. He, yeah, there's a, there's a, in the first like few weeks of, of the lockdown, like he'd sent a track called uh, Quarantine Breeze and like, <laughs> <laughs> and that was kind of the first, the first uh, thing that they started on. And they've just been going this whole time, like making instrumentals. Um, because of that, there's a lot, a lot of material. So it's pretty exciting because we've had like, at this point, it's 
it's, it's been like a year and a half and usually they they'll they'll like come together and make instrumentals in like a few months mm-hmm. but so there's just yeah there's a lot of material and it's really thought, thought out and it's 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 actually gonna be a unique dance gavin dance album in that regard because we've had so much time and usually you know it's it's a crash course and now it's it's like we've we i've been sitting with a lot of these songs for months and months and months so yeah we're we're about to enter the studio and i don't know take our time we have we also we have a we have some soft deadlines but it'll be new to work without a deadline which i have never done um how do you feel about that other than the last other than the last album okay um well there's a deadline in terms of flights so like that's uh, i'm still going to treat that like a deadline but okay it's not not as like like under like you know under the gun type uh writing do you feel like uh you is it easier to work under less pressure or i don't think it's like okay it's why I think I create, I like to create artificial deadlines, even, even if it doesn't really matter. Okay. It's like, you know, a round trip flight. That's, that's nice. That'll, that'll do it. I think. Okay. <laughs> and what about recording? Like you said you guys are going to go to the studio or were you just demoing songs from that room or will yeah. some of that make the record or, or no? No, I, I don't think so. I mean, unless some backups okay. are good enough and, and make it in, but I mean, it. Some yeah, some of the ends are pretty good. So maybe I, I was I definitely wasn't doing it as a, I wasn't planning on using anything that I've been demoing in here for the album. We're okay. just gonna go re recut everything in Portland with Chris Kremit. That's awesome. So so that room is specific to your solo your, your solo records. And I did a couple features in here too. In that time that haven't come out yet so oh cool very cool um well awesome and and again the light at the end of the tunnel here with with stuff happening that must be are you excited to get out and and play in front of people again here definitely i'm not only excited to play i'm excited to go see shows sure we've been missing that big time just Mm -hmm. like hearing it feeling just a a bass cab just blasting you in the chest. It's like, it's, it's gotta be therapeutic. Uh-huh. Otherwise, I mean, people that are emotionally in pain, they gravitate toward that. So having that not available, it's gotta be tough. Yeah. It's going to be a huge emotional moment, especially, at, I mean, seeing some of these festivals being announced, like people are going to lose it. I have a feeling. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Hopefully we we lose it for a while. (laughs) Right, right, right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, thank you so much uh, for for doing this today. I really, really appreciate it. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah, I appreciate it, too. Yeah. I have one more question before I I let you go, Tillian. I want to know if you have any advice to aspiring artists. Um, Don't even get demos. That would be my my biggest Just as soon as you have a song that's, or a few songs that are really good, get them professionally recorded and done right and, and, and 
present your first work because you want to make a good first impression. Present your first work as the best you can possibly do. Not like, oh yeah, you know, you might believe in this because you, you'll see the potential. Just, just don't like, don't present the potential. Present, you know, a polished, finished product and try to pitch that as opposed to pitching the. Potential.